Welcome back to the Ultimate Pocket Therapist. We are a mother and daughter team of Shannon and Brooke, wanting to educate, enlighten, and entertain mm-hmm. all of you. Yes. <laughs> to mental health. To issue. everyone who will listen. <laughs> to everyone who will listen. Hey, it's going up. It is. Yes. Look at people like follow us. Uh-huh. I, my, my favorite, uh-huh. this is totally off the subject, but my favorite <laughs> is when there's like one listen from like a country, way foreign country, and they've only listened once. Yeah. And I'm like, I was oh, one of those, like, whoops. they probably turned it on and we're like, oh, oh God, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abort mission. Oh, yeah. Whoa, Americans. <laughs> I didn't understand a word they said. <laughs> what was happening? <laughs> They speaking English for hell's sakes. What, what is wrong with them? Whoa. <laughs> anyway, before we get started, we will um, do our fancy disclaimer. So fancy. It is fancy. This is not a therapy session. Mm-mm. I am not your therapist. And, and if anything that we talk about in this podcast brings up any issues or triggers anything for you, we encourage you to get help. There are many resources available. In fact, we would like to share one with you now. This podcast is being sponsored by BetterHelp. Like we have mentioned in each of our podcasts, if anything we talk about triggers or brings up any issues, don't hesitate to seek counseling. Everyone has struggles, and therapy does not need to be scary. Everyone deserves to be happy, and you don't need to worry about finding a therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And as a special offer to Ultimate Pocket Therapist listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash therapist. That's betterhelp.com slash therapist. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Ready? Oh, yeah. All right. So... What we are going to talk about today is kind of a little bit of a follow-up from last week's session on attachment disorders, Mm -hmm. because we've had a few, not emails, but just more like questions or comments, Mm -hmm. talking about moms that they feel are not attached to them, but have a lot of also deeper issues. So what we're going to talk about today is something called maternal narcissism. You know, and I have just lived my entire life all about this. Maternal you- <laughs> narcissism. <laughs> my mom, she is a freaking monster. Oh, I yeah. Thanks, like- <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it. That's the end of the podcast. Yeah, that's that's all we have to say. Shanette shuts down now. We just turn it off. We're done. <laughs> Oh, but I might be an expert on it. You are an expert on it. I might. But anyway, what we're going to look at is the differences between narcissism that we've talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, even though we have brought up the fact that um, 
women can be very narcissistic. We've kind of talked a lot about, and our emails have been more about men that were narcissistic. But when we have a mother that is narcissistic, it is an entirely different deal. Yes. Okay. So what we look at with maternal narcissism, we still have our DSM-5 diagnostic criteria, but with maternal narcissism, it just goes deeper, okay? So in looking at moms that are narcissistic, please keep in mind, this episode is not about to blame them or to have a reason to become a victim. It's to really look at what happened in your relationship with your mom. Mm-hmm. Okay, if she happens to fit these criterias. So a mother with narcissistic personality disorder, basically, they just can't give children adequate attention and nurturing. Their entitlement often results in them mistreating their children. And a mom often uses her kids as a prop or a device to meet her own needs. Because if we look at narcissism, they're emotionally needy. We're mm-hmm. always putting into their narcissistic bucket. Yes. Okay. So what happens with a baby? If you think about the bond that's usually created when we're born, we f- we take our first breath, we kind of have that, like a sense of protection from our mom, a sense of belonging. You know, we were Not kind protection of- from your mom. But your mom is protecting you. (laughs) The protection for mom comes later. You need protection from your mother later in life. Protection. I heard that wrong for some reason. Okay, clarification. Yeah, we we want our moms to protect us. Yes. Oh, there we go. That's a need. There we we go. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we want love. And basically, we even create this when we're in the womb. We're kind of one. And our mom is the one that gives us life. Um, and there's that instant at this point forward that there's a tremendous amount of psychological stuff that occurs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And last week we talked about attachment disorder. Uh, this is kind of similar, but a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Okay. So the, the emotional damage done to children when raised by narcissistic parents is incredible. Kids grow up thinking that they're the problem. Yeah. And that's a hard one. And they look at, you know, they're not good enough. They're not lovable. There's that emptiness inside. They always feel like they are wrong, Mm -hmm. that nothing they do is good enough. And they also know at some level they're only valued if what they do is important how they look is good yeah okay so again it's not about their emotional needs it's about what they can do for the parent what they bring to the table yeah Mm -hmm. it's a whole different thing so a long time ago years ago i actually had a client bring in a wonderful book about maternal narcissism And in reading it, it was like, wow, it was just eye-opening because you know it's there, but this book is great. And the book is by Carol McBride, PhD. It's titled, Will I Ever Be Good Enough? And in that book, she talks about 
kind of two types of maternal narcissism. She talks about the engulfing mom, and that's the mom that tries to dominate and control everything. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the one that controls what you wear, how you act, okay? Okay. And you never have a voice because she's literally in control. Mm-hmm. And then you have the ignoring mother. <laughs> sort of the opposite <laughs> the one. pull opposite. Yeah, there. exactly. And they either ignore or underparent their children. They do not provide any kind of guidance, emotional support, or empathy. So you basically become invisible. Hmm. Might relate to that one. You may. You may relate <laughs> to that one. Might have... And in return, I relate to that one yes. because I <laughs> felt the repercussions. Well, or just from her too. Uh, we'll get into yeah. that later. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a whole nother... Yeah, she's a treat. Can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, in talking about this, um, I had shared with you a little bit from... Carol McBride's book. Yes. Okay. And she talks about like six, is it six, five, six different types of narcissistic moms? Yeah, there's six. At least six that I wrote down. Okay. So maybe we should go over them because they're really enlightening. They are. And they're interesting. And I think, and I say this all the time, but I think someone, more than one person listening is going to be like, oh, Oh, God. That (laughs) sounds like my mother. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or that was my friend's mom. Yeah. To a tea or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or in your case, your grandma. <laughs> yeah. Or my grandmother. A <laughs> <Our> grandmother. <laughs> so the first one um, that Carol McBride mentions is the flamboyant extrovert. And that's okay. the mom. And it's funny. The quote is, that's the mom who movies are made. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's a public entertainer. She's flamboyant. She's outgoing. She's loud. She's in the middle. And she's flashy and needs to be the center of attention. Yeah, is the center okay. of my attention. And yep. majority of people love her, but as being a child with having a flamboyant, extrovert, narcissistic mother, yeah. you despise the masquerade that right. she performs to the world that right. she gives everyone to view because you know it's bullshit. Right. You, you see right through it. Yeah. Because that's not how it is at home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really the ultimate thing, only thing that really matters is what you bring to the table for her to look good with. Right. You know, and you're not allowed just to be a normal kid because you got to be always ready for a show. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how dare you if you ever got brave enough to call bullshit on that show? Yeah, you better be re- you better be eighteen and on your yeah. way out the door, right? <laughs> Bags packed, mm-hmm. ca- car running. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, but I I know exactly. I can just picture some of those. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I had one of those in my life for a uh, for a few years, and um, yeah, she was massively exhausting. Yes. Yes, and, I, I do know. Mm-hmm. I remember. And it's funny as things move along, how people come out of the woodwork and be like, you know, I never thought you knew what you were talking about. <laughs> and then, you know, a few years down the road, they're like, oh, oh God, now I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That woman is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, see? Yeah. I told you all. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Yep. Yep. Ugh. What other kind? Uh, The accomplished oriented one. Okay. And that one, I can just picture that, you know, that poor high school student 
that if they dare get an A minus or drop oh. below a 4.0, mm-hmm. and that looks bad on the parent. Right. Or if they're not a football star or right. she's not head on the cheerleading team. Right. And they dare venture out of the box prepared for them. <laughs> they're screwed. They Yeah. And it's repercussions and it's hell to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it causes embarrassment to that mother. Mm-hmm. And she'll respond with rage and fury and just... Right. Level out the whole playing field on that one. <laughs> right. So you better be perfect. Yeah, you be okay. perfect. If you are expected to be perfect, you be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's another one I feel like movies are made from, too. Yeah. 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 Boy, I um, I have been working with someone whose mom fits that description. Oh, right. And growing up, um, and they're, they're from actually another country, but growing up, all the kids were expected to be perfect and perform musically. Okay. Yeah. And it was all about being accomplished on the piano, doing well in recitals. And if one child ever messed up, it was just degrading, hell to pay, embarrassment for the mom. The kids lived in fear of making sure their recitals and their performances were perfect. Because if not, apparently it would be a reflection on the mom. And that's one of the things that we've been working on in counseling with this particular person is how narcissistic. And like I find in counseling, it's always interesting when we start exploring maternal narcissism. Mm -hmm. Kids grow up with this as their mom. And they don't know any different. And when I say, you know, I really think we might want to explore whether or not your mom has some narcissistic traits, what I usually get is some pushback. They usually are like, oh, no, not my mom. Because, again, we look at these, you know, what we look at, we pass this word narcissism around a lot. Mm -hmm. And we joke about being man haters, but we look at that, you know, controlling male and we don't look at a mom just wanting her kids to be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As narcissistic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And a lot of times too, the outside world doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. And this is totally normal for a child that grew up that way. Right. Yeah. And they don't know any different. No, so they, they don't. don't all they don't. moms. And you, you think a lot of times if mm-hmm. you have a more of the controlling maternal narcissist. Right. A lot of times you may not get a chance to really vocalize or see how another mom would act mm-hmm. by being out with friends that much. Right. Or really even know that you were in this right. odd situation mm-hmm. of toxicity. Right. Except that there's always, in exploring this with adults, mm-hmm. looking back, there's always this feeling with children that something was missing. Okay. Like their emotional needs aren't met. There's that sense of emptiness. That would make sense. Okay, yeah. And it's like they just never feel probably validated emotionally because their emotional needs really aren't met and maternal narcissists really lack that empathy. Mm -hmm. They really don't care about the emotional well-being of the kids. It's about them. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So what other kind of maternal narcissism pops up? Um, If I say this word wrong... um, Correct me after you oh. laugh at me. Okay. Uh, the psychosomatic. Yep. That was right. I did it. Look at you. Yes. Pronounce big words. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the hypochondriac type mom. Right. She's yeah. going to use illnesses, pains, 
and, you know, just sicknesses to manipulate others to get her way and bringing right. all the attention back to her. Yes. And unless you are being the caretaker to this mom, you aren't showing her the love she needs. It's all about taking care of her. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and this is the one that if you ever said you don't feel good, she will up the ante and she will feel worse. Right. Yeah. That's okay. That's exactly what this is about. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 She uses her own illness to escape her own feelings or from having to deal with any difficulties in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Then we have another one that's listed is the addicted. And this would come with a parent with um, substance to Substance. <laughs> that's the word you can't say. <laughs> you got psychosomatic out just fine, but that damn word substance. <laughs> substance. I did it. Substance abuse. <laughs> oh my goodness. But anyways, the uh, substance abuse issue is always, uh, will always seem narcissistic because the addiction will speak louder than anything else. Um, and then sometimes when, that person sobers up, the narcissism could seem less, but there's, that's not always the case. Um, because when a lot of times the drug of choice will always level up higher than be the more child. important than yeah. the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one's, that one's kind of hard. Cause it's like, it is a level of narcissism and then, but it also yeah. is an abuse. It's, yeah. The right. disease of being, um, or addiction, sorry, not addiction. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about addiction well ago, and that is really hard. So you put a child in the mix with addictions mm-hmm. and substance abuse, and you can see how their needs aren't being met mm-hmm. because the drug of choice is going to win. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, until they get a handle on it and get through recovery. Yes. But for kids in that, that's pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this one is my personal favorite (laughs) because I know a lot about this one and I had this done to me periodically until I got removed from the situation. (laughs) But this is the secretly mean. Mm -hmm. And the secretly mean mother does not want others to know that she's abusive to her child. She will have a public self and a private self, which are quite different. And uh, these mothers can be... Kind, loving, and affectionate in public, but their abuse is cruel at home. And it's the unpredictable opposite messages to the child make them crazy. Yep. Yep. So let's share with these lovely listeners um, (laughs) what I meant by (laughs) having been like partially raised by one of these. Well, from from the background raised, I guess. Yeah. It was... You were you were yeah. good about not letting me be. I was shielded. Shielded, yeah, uh-huh. I was shielded. But yeah, yes. So, what Brooke is referring to is my mother was extremely narcissistic, and she was very sneaky in her narcissism, mm-hmm. and she was the secretly mean. Yes. Okay. She, was. she wasn't like physically abusive, but she was very verbal and emotionally abusive behind the scenes, and. To the world, everybody loved her. And still does. Oh, my word. 
Yeah, she and she would do things in the community. She loved to be seen. She was a little bit of that movie one. Mm -hmm. Like she really was the actor. She was there. She's part of the Chamber of Commerce. She was on the city council. She loved to be in the middle of all of that. But behind closed doors, she could be mean. And it was interesting because we have a small family. And mostly that was directed towards me. And not because I want to be a victim, but because it was like the dynamic that went on. And we'll go into that a little bit more later in the podcast about different siblings Mm -hmm. and the role of a dad. But my mom to the outside world was wonderful. And people would say, oh, your mom is so great. You're so lucky to have her. And then behind closed doors, it was like, hmm, yeah, not the same mom I'm being raised by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She would... um when the last final straws of actually spending much alone time with her when I was little was um, she was very religious. We, as we've stated, we're from Utah and there's a large base of the Mormon religion, probably more, mm-hmm. more than not people are actively Mormon here. And I grew up not being active and both um, you and dad grew up in the church and just chose not to go that route as an adult. And so I always had the option. I was never told that I couldn't. I would go with friends to church. You would Mm -hmm. take me if I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. But that just wasn't a part of our lives. And um, my grandma had started when I was little, really starting to, as soon as my mom would leave me there, would start um, telling me about all the horrible things that were going to happen to me when I passed away if I didn't get my parents to become active Mormons again Mm -hmm. and get back into the temple or or get to the temple at all and do all of the things. And I would just come back from staying with her absolutely traumatized. Right. Because she had put all the responsibility to save your soul and everybody's salvation or whatever it is on a little tiny kid. Mm-hmm. It was your responsibility yeah. to change your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was little. I yes. was like five, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And you had realized, like, I had come to you after it had happened a few times. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And crying, and you were like, and we're done being alone with grandma. <laughs> right. Yes. We <laughs> and are. you gave me the talk of God is not mean. Right. And we, you know. We, we have different beliefs. Grandma believes one thing. We believe other things. And we all can believe what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you are a good person. And that's all that matters. And it's and not your responsibility. Yeah. But yeah. even from then on, even because I became aware about that point, about how sneaky she would mm-hmm. be with things. Right. And... She was just, she would just be mean. Yeah, she was sneaky mean. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and she would favor the cousins Mm -hmm. over me and Joe, my brother, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like night and day. And I just remember growing up just knowing that she does that and almost finding it comical. Yeah. You know. Well, then you watch for it and you don't get sucked into it. Yeah. Because you're aware of the game that she's playing mm-hmm. and what goes on. And so you don't get emotionally pulled into it. You yeah. can separate from it. But it can be pretty traumatic to children. And especially little kids. Like you had that 
you know, you had the mom that was the therapist. Yeah, thankfully. That, that could pull you out and say, you know, we don't have to play this game. But being raised like that yeah. is really confusing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I could see because I was, I could totally step away. She wasn't mm-hmm. my mom. Right. If I never saw her again, it wouldn't affect me. And I did see her, but I'm well, saying yeah. I was able to separate it at that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I right. could not imagine that is your everyday home life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's one more that is listed um, from Carol McBride, and that is the emotional, emotionally needy. Mm-hmm. And they are emotionally needy. This mother shows car- characteristics that are open, more openly than others. This is the mother that you have to emotionally take care of, which is a losing proposition to the child. Right. Because they're a child. Right. Not going um, to do it. No. Yep. And the child's feelings are neglected and the child is most like, is unlikely, sorry, to receive the same nurturance that he or she is expected to provide for the parent. Right. So they are in charge of making mommy feel good. Right. Of meeting the emotional needs of the parent. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or the mother in this case. Yeah. 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 And you give that to a little child that mm-hmm. only thinks in their black and white way. And that's yeah, next to impossible. <laughs> so it's interesting in looking at maternal narcissism that there's generally a distinct difference be how, no, between how a mom parents a a girl and parents a boy Mm -hmm. okay okay and if you look at it there's a lot of writing about this and a lot of different um views on it but it kind of boils down to um boys just have a totally different type of relationship with their mom and the brothers are always seen as kind of a little bit better there's two sets of rules like the girl may be expected to get straight A's and the boy can come home with C's. She's expected to go to college. He can be out partying and the mom will actually laugh and say, boys will be boys mm-hmm. type of thing. And it's interesting that, you know, we often have what we call the golden child and the black sheep. Mm-hmm. It's like the girl can never do enough. Isn't it interesting that that is such a common thing with a narcissistic mom? Yeah. Or the motherhood narcissism uh-huh. is that it's and it's yeah. common enough that they have studies you, you, on this. Right. And yeah. it stood true in your life and right. it's mm-hmm. it's such a common thing. Mm-hmm. It just is baffling to me. Right. But but growing up at a young age, I knew there was a distinct difference in how uh, my older brother was treated and how I was treated. And he instantly was the golden child from the time we could figure that out. And it wasn't a secret. We kind of talked about it growing up. I Mm -hmm. mean, he could do no wrong. He just sort of walked on water. And I came along and could do no right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then interesting, it carries on and it did in my family as well on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a niece that my mom does not care for and she's passed now, but boy, she was honestly not nice to -hmm. this niece. And this niece and I often compared notes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yet the boy in that family, my mom adored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. It just kind of tends to um, continue on generational. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a big question. Okay. Okay. So we have a maternal mom. We have kids. What's the dad's role? Oh, my gosh. Sit there with his nads cut off, letting all of it happen. (laughs) (laughs) I am not getting involved. (laughs) If mom ain't happy, no one's happy. I'm just going to stay over here and eat my soup. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, actually, there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because often what I have heard in counseling is that dads are usually the ones who kind of defend the mom. Yeah. They don't want to be in the middle. And if there's a fight between a mom and say a teenage girl, the mom's crying, being theatrical, whatever, the daughter will be in trouble for, look what you've done to your mom. Look how you've upset her. And so, you know, we, as a therapist, we look at probably defining this as a lot of codependency. Mm-hmm. But as a child, we're looking at where is the dad in protecting me? Yeah. Where is the dad in not stepping in and calling bullshit on how this mom is? Right. But he kind of allows it to go on. Either that or he checked out and divorced. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. <laughs> bye, not my problem anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like gone. But in order for this dynamic to continue, the dad has a role in that. Yeah. Because he's part of it. And for it to continue, mm-hmm. that means the dad in some way checked out from it. And right. it just allows it to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And in my case growing up, it was actually a little bit different scenario in that my mom was so busy being Miss Social that I was lucky enough that I had a dad who met my emotional needs. And even my brother and I have talked about this. Is my, we felt like my dad was very fair in how he parented. There was no favoritism. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I was daddy's little girl. I had zero emotional attachment to my mom. My needs were met. My dad is the one that put us to bed. Um, he's the one that we went hunting with and fishing with the bond Took you shopping. Yes. Oh, I, I hated shopping with my mom. Mm-hmm. She would tell me what I had to wear. Yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. And she had horrible taste. Mm-hmm. So it was like up until the day she died, that woman had horrible taste. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when she thought she could dress me when I was little, I lived in fear I, of I going shopping. That mm-hmm. is valid. Mm-hmm. Yes. But things that I would buy with my dad, often she told me I couldn't wear him out of the house. <laughs> so it was like well i did i snuck them out warm yeah so yeah. she was more of the unattentive yeah narcissistic mm-hmm. mom where you were kind of left to kind of fend for yourself in a way but also she was also secretly mean too yeah she was she was had that controlling nature to her mm-hmm. where it was her way or the wrong way but yet, I was also very much the invisible child. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me. Do you remember, you were pretty little, a birthday party at our old house in the little community we lived in. And I can't remember how old you were, but we had my mom and her second husband were there. And the other grandparents were there. We had some family friends there. 
I just, I, I don't know the specifics. Okay. I, so the I do remember her being at birthday parties, but yeah, I don't know if I know what you're referencing. The story is, one of my friends that was there, a family friend, we were, they were in the living room laughing about how you were so much a little mirror to me. Oh, yes, I do remember Okay, this. okay. yeah. And I'm in the kitchen. We had a small house, so I can hear everything. And I'm in the kitchen, and my friend says to my mother, she says, oh, my word, I bet it is so fun watching Brooke because it probably reminds you of Shanette when she was a little girl. And my mom answered back. This is no kidding. My mom answered back, oh, I don't remember Shanette as a little girl. <laughs> I came flying out of the kitchen. Okay. I think I still had a knife in my hand from cutting the cake. I knew okay. it. <laughs> yeah. I, am, I, I said, what did you just say? And my girlfriend, knowing my mom, uh-huh. she repeats it. Okay. She says, I said to your mother, I'm thinking, I heard. Okay. And then I look at my mom and I said, what did you say? And my mom says, oh, I don't know. I just don't even remember you as a child. That's the invisible part. Uh-huh. hmm That is, I had no value growing up. Yep. But I bet you she could sit for hours telling stories of your brother's childhood. Oh, yeah. Growing up. Actually, never and missed. And she could. And she could. She mm-hmm. never missed one of his ball games. I played ball too. She never attended one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So my bond took place with my dad. Yeah. And thank God you had a parent right. to fulfill that. Right. Or yeah. you would have been more screwed up than you already are. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and look what would happen to you. I know. I just so, <laughs> so really, we got to thank yeah. grandpa. Yeah. For, for being the sane one <laughs> and getting us through this. But he was the one that had the love of animals. Yeah. And so we also grew up with that bond of horses and my mom hated animals. So luckily she had no part of that. Yeah. She was not in it. She you didn't know? want to mm-hmm. be anywhere near him nope. and you didn't want her anywhere near nope. him. So we grew up pretty much with her, you know, she didn't have as much of an emotional impact as I see a lot of my clients only because I was emotionally detached yeah. from her and I had my dad to kind of be the savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in looking at this, Um, you know, if you're in a situation where you think you have a parent, particularly a mom Mm -hmm. that is narcissistic, or you feel that chronic emptiness and you just feel like nothing you've ever done is good enough, then, you know, we really suggest that you look into counseling or look into understanding the dynamics of childhood and realize it's not your fault. Yeah. Cause this can carry on into adulthood. Oh, it does often. And yeah, you can be 50 years old and just having this aha mm-hmm. moment of, Oh my God, yeah. my mom is the root cause of all of my problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not too late to gain control of your life. Right. And get some help. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes under uncovering, the idea that your mom might be narcissistic is like a whole new light, light bulb went off. Yeah. It's like, wow, that starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I do you have any stories real quick? <laughs> I always have stories. Well, we're right at our half hour <laughs> mark, but I think if you had kind of a quick story of an example other than your own... <laughs> 
I am the example. <laughs> Not to unvalidate you yeah. here, but... Oh, you know, I... Oh, man, I have had so many. I think when we talk about not knowing your mom's narcissistic, I, I'll just tell a short story because this is one that I uh, had a client come in to see me as an adult, and she was she came in presenting with marital problems. Okay. okay. And the interesting thing is her husband would not consider marriage counseling because he did not believe in therapists and thought they were all quacks. Same, bro. Yeah. Thanks, Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of validation there. Anyway, so she starts talking about these issues. And when she came in, she was actually separated from her husband at the time. And they really had been married for years, had some kids, but they were not doing well. So she starts talking about being raised and starts talking about these dynamics with her mom. And The interesting thing is she says, you know, as she was an only child and as she was dating and and being with guys and doing, her mom could find no good in them. Mm -hmm. There was always a problem. And one of the biggest issues in their marriage was her mom always sabotaging or undermining her husband. So if the husband said something like, for instance, the kids, you up at, they, this was the example up at a up at a cabin with four wheelers. Okay, it's time to get off the four wheelers, put them away. We need to come on in. The grandma, her mom, would say, "Oh, that's fine. They can continue riding them, uh, just like in front of the kids." Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the kids would ride them. And the biggest marital issue was that sh- this my client wasn't standing up for her husband. Okay. Okay. She again, she didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And so looking looking back on her her being raised, she was the the her mom was kind of what we would call the the covert maternal narcissist. She was a little bit sneaky. Okay. okay? So she came across as her best friend. And even if she had a sleepover the mom would be in the middle of the sleepovers. She would be right in there, staying up with the girls, laughing, eating popcorn. And then she honestly would call her friends. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. The mom would call her friends. And then she was involved in sports in high school and in college. Okay. Okay. And the mom attended all the sporting events. And all was good unless she didn't perform well. Okay. And if she had a bad game, it was hell. The whole way home, the degrading, the you make me look bad, you know, I've put all this into, you know, helping you and this is how you perform. Wow. Yeah. Taking it personal. Yeah. Just a constant. So anyway, the interesting thing is we started looking at her mom as possibly, no shit, being narcissistic it never even crossed her mind because that was just her mom Mm -hmm. so we started looking at setting boundaries with this mom and not having her in the middle of everything because interestingly enough this had carried over into the grandkids Mm -hmm. okay and she had one grandchild that favored and one grandchild she didn't wow yeah and so she started setting boundaries the interesting thing is setting boundaries 
the marriage started to improve. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over time, her husband realized that therapy wasn't maybe that bad. And he started (laughs) wanting to come. (laughs) Because it was like, I think he just thought the therapist was going to be one more extension of bashing him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this had been her whole life and she had no recognition of it until it almost cost her a marriage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So that's what we look at with maternal narcissism is the kids are just used to being raised that way. Yeah. Yeah. But there's always that something's not right. There's, you know, if we pay attention, I always tell clients, let your body be a barometer. You know, if there's just something not right, there's a reason. Yeah. Something's making you feel icky. It's probably pretty valid. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, that right. pretty much sums it up. Yeah. This is a big can of worms for a lot of people. There is. So. I'm really hoping we get some uh, good stories from this one. Hint, oh, hint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> elbow, elbow, hint, hint. Come on, guys. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. And um, we'll get, wow. Wow. That was that was bad. That was me trying to say, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. It just didn't work. No. <laughs> All right. Okay. We will catch you next time. Okay.